Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another video and podcast from fantasyfootballscout.co.uk. My name is David and we are back with yet another episode of General's Orders and I am of course joined as is usual now with the General himself. Uh, Mark, it's been a particularly high scoring game week for FPL managers. Most of us got over 70 points but not everybody managed a a green arrow. Uh, I'm noticing that you've got one yourself and we're heading into a double game week so it sort of feels like the season is really uh, hitting its stride now. Yeah, it's um, the weeks are going by pretty quickly. You know, six six down already. Before we know it, we'll be looking at festive fixture schedules and <laughs> chip planning for the second half of the season. So yeah, it was good. It's good to have a good game week. Uh, it's kind of been a up and down start to the season for me. It's kind of green arrow, red arrow, green arrow, red arrow. So hopefully, a bit of momentum to come now after after a good game week six. Yeah, exactly. Momentum is exactly what we we are looking for right now. And I suppose in a normal circumstance, a double game week would feel like a good opportunity to continue that. But it's a bit of an odd one this week, isn't it? Because we're all sort of like content creators kind of across the board. We're kind of obliged to talk about Burnley and Luton. But do we really want to be talking about them with the best of respect to those teams? We don't really. We certainly don't. It's been, uh, you know, the promoter teams, I think, have been very disappointing so far. Uh, I don't think they have a win between the three of them. After six six game weeks, I know uh, Luton and Burnley have obviously played a game less, but yeah, it's I've kind of been I've had the approach of you know you're like me, David. You played this game for a long, long time, and we fall into you know double game weeks trip us up over and over again. You know you think of Emmanuel Dennis red cards and Vout Bighorse <laughs> coming in for double game weeks. There's there's plenty more as well. Shane Duffy comes to mind. I've just kind of this because it's, I think it's helped me because it's come early in the season that I've just ignored it completely and trying to just pretend there is no double game week this week because <laughs> the teams involved yes maybe it's okay to go for one of them for one week but I don't want to you know bring one in and lose one again on it you know using two valuable free transfers so I've got um, I've got buyer from Burnley already I've had him from game week one so maybe he gets rolled out this week probably best case scenario you're getting a, you're getting four points from him but um we'll take four points and then run and stick him back on the bench again but yeah certainly not getting over excited by this double game week and at this stage Tuesday recording on Tuesday unlikely to bring in a double game week player but still worth talking about I think because there's there's probably certain teams where 
certain players, it does make sense to, to go for one of them. Hmm. Yeah, it's certainly one of those weeks where we sort of want to talk about some things and feel obliged to talk about others. Um, it sort of sometimes makes life a little bit tricky working out exactly what we're going to discuss on all these shows because um, yeah we and scout sort of in general we've got two videos a day um not all of them can be about a double game week some of them have to be and we sort of very much do it very begrudgingly so yeah um that's the situation that we find ourselves in and uh, we will try and uh, bring you guys as much helpful information on that subject uh, as we can without overdoing it um before we get into the nitty-gritty of how we got on in game week six and how we're looking at going into game week seven of course uh, it's not too late to sign up for fantasy football scout membership you can still save 30% on those preseason prices and when we're heading into a double game week I think the the membership is going to be even more valuable than usual because uh, you know the opportunity the upside theoretically is is greater in a double game week and you need to make sure that you're bringing in the right players I can think of you know Mark's mentioned a couple of double game weeks from the past some infamous ones I think there was one at the end of maybe 2019 where I think I ended up with sort of like a, just a whole team of Wes Morgans and I was bench boosting you know players like that because they played twice what I should have done was work out which of those players were actually worth having rather than just those who play twice and the members area is going to help you with that so you can assess what individual players have been up to in the first six game weeks and every single time there's another game week thrown into the mix you've got more reliable data there because of course you've got a bigger sample size so now is a good time to sort that out but let's have a look at how you got on in game week six mark you mentioned that it was a good game week for you the viewers will uh, of course uh, on youtube see you've got a green arrow there for the benefit of the podcast listeners you've got 87 points johnston in goal trippier gusto although you know he did his best to try and bring that total down uh supernan saka madison fernandez rashford alvarez harlan captaincy watkins with nine points points as well on the bench Turner Gabriel but uh, Bayer and the Camber and yeah up to 698k uh, from were you uh, were you outside the top million before this one have you sh- you've shot you've shot up quite well with this haven't you yeah I think I ha- have the rank roughly I think I was about 1.5 million before this game week yeah, that's right. And so, uh, big, big boost. Uh, to be honest, like getting a green arrow in this game week was actually, I think, quite difficult because we'll come on to my team in a minute. I got about 75 points pre the four, minus four hit, 71 points. That was enough for a 200k red arrow. So, to half your rank in a game week that was very high scoring, you must feel quite pleased. And there's a number of individuals in the team there that um, have some good context to them. I mean, I guess Fernandez and Watkins very much on people's chopping blocks. You've kept them and got some big points out of them. Yeah, it was... Um... It was a, there was a lot going on in this game week, you know, as you said earlier, very high scoring, high average score. It was quite swingy, you know, I think a lot of you know people on wildcard and stuff maybe didn't do as well as they would have hoped off the back of the first week of the wildcard. That can obviously still play out quite well over the next few weeks. The tra- I had two free transfers, sold Chilwell, just didn't like the rotation risk, brought in Trippier, you know, probably one of the best transfers I've ever made, getting an 18 point instant return on that one. And I also sold Nicholas Jackson for Alvarez. Obviously didn't make any ground on that one, but at least it was a free transfer and it wasn't minus four. And I'm quite happy to own Alvarez now for the next couple of weeks. Patience rewarded with Bruno Fernandez and Ollie Watkins in particular. It, it was always just a case of they were never the weakest link in my squad. I felt like the Chelsea guys were the weakest link and I got rid of two of them. And the one that I kept got me a minus two with a red card. It was a <laughs> it was a frustrating couple of minutes. I think it was was it Sunday. Um, Gusto got sent off for me. Hyungman Son scored his second goal around the same time and I didn't <laughs> own him. And I was thinking, right, all Saturday's good work could be undone here. But then very quickly, Ollie Watkins got his goal. Um, to go along with the Bruno points as well. And Estupid and chipped in with a nice assist as well. So overall, good to get the clean sheet from Johnson also. I think it's two clean sheets out of six 
for the Johnston-Turner combo, which is fine. You're probably hoping for three, but we'll take two. Madison delivered. Hopefully, I think he's getting a scan. Hopefully, that knee issue is okay and he'll be back for the weekend. Saka, just Mr. Consistent, could be a season keeper with a 13-pointer. And standard auto-captain Haaland came in with his customary goal as well. So overall, very satisfying as well just to see all four players on the bench with absolutely nothing. It's nice <laughs> nice when that happens. It doesn't happen very often. A good game week, um, but you know the nature of the season, it can swing very quickly again You know the week after. So I'm not getting, not getting overexcited about one good game week. Um, and again... Probably not going to change too much going into going into the double game week. I say double game week. It's in my mind, it's not a double game week. Game week, game week seven. I'm calling it not double game week seven. Yeah, I think the only time I refer to it as double game week is when I'm uploading videos and I have to put double in there just purely for SEO purposes, just in the hope that people are going to be googling it and then they're more likely to come across that video. So um, yeah, when I'm when I'm talking with uh, just like real human beings instead of a search engine. I've, I can't call it a double game week. I'm with you on that one. Um, I've put your bus team on the screen now. As you say, not too many changes. A couple of substitutions, though, which are, I, I quite like this. You've done a very good job this season, certainly, of, of using your squad and, and benching players when you feel the need to, bringing them in, and, and that seems to have worked out um, most of the time, especially this week, where the, your bench not performing very well. So uh, this time, you're swapping uh, Johnston out uh, to bring Turner in. So Turner at home to Brentford instead of Johnston away at United. Um, Bayer comes in for a Stupinan. So that's Newcastle away, Luton away. Uh, Gusto, of course, is now your third sub. So Gabriel comes back in uh, for the away game at Bournemouth. I mean, that could be... I mean, if that, if he gets some points there, that's going to feel really good because I don't think anyone owns him anymore. Uh, I think they're the only changes because then the rest of your team, Saka, Madison, Fernandes, Rashford, Alvarez, Haaland and Watkins, your front uh, seven remains the same. Um, some defensive tweaks that could make a big difference. Yeah, so the... The initial thoughts here are just bank the transfer because the team, you know, starting 11 looks absolutely fine. Obviously, some temptation maybe to switch a goalkeeper. There's also temptation to get Sven Botman for double Newcastle defence. But I feel like when I've got Gabriel with a good fixture and when Bayer has the double game week and I've got a Stupin as a backup, if need be, on the bench as well, I don't feel like I need to make a free transfer on a defender. So I, I always like to roll as often as possible. I think I've done it a few times already this season. I'd like to have two frees again for, for game week eight. And I feel like if I do manage to roll a transfer this week, you know, I might not end up wildcard. Now, we're going to talk about wildcard shortly. But um, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking if I can continue with this patient approach, I might be able to push the wildcard back a little bit longer. That obviously all depends on, on Mr. Salah and whether I want them or not. But overall, I think that the bus team on paper looks good. Also, you know, people are still staring every week at this video and looking at double Manchester United, Manchester United midfielders, which is not obviously optimal at the moment. I could lose Rashford or Bruno. I'm not going to rule that out towards the end of the week. But I think rolling the transfer will probably win out when they're okay options and they've got a, they've got an okay fixture as well. So yeah, the team feels fine and Watkins is just going to survive probably long term now at this stage. It's I've been saying all along I'd rather be in a three five two. You know, not having Watkins, but you know, there's a couple of the midfielders that are not as hot as they were in Bumo. Sterling come to mind. So yeah, I think Watkins, if he he's got that first goal now, so I'm hoping there'll be a few more to come. And, he, and he's still chipping in with chances created and assists as well. So fixtures are turning quite nicely for Aston Villa also. So yeah, I think Bayer will be my only double game week player. 
Mm. Yeah, I'm glad you. I'm, I'm really glad we, you've got Watkins still because he was very much a subject of of conversation last week. I, I faced a number of questions on a couple of videos I was on about like what to do with him, and my general broad advice was was hold him if you can. Um, I know it was tricky with the Alvarez situation, but because as you say, the fixtures are turning really well. His underlying numbers have been really good, so he's going to be a good differential, I think, for you when those fixtures do turn. Um, in terms of your midfield and the the possibility that Bayer is going to be the only double game week player for you for double game week seven, I guess uh, it would be worth just touching base on if you have an idea of what you would do if James Madison is ruled out of the Liverpool game. Um, suggestions that in the in the media that he's suffered an awkward jolt after the North London derby. If that rules him out for a week or two. Um, do you bring, dare I say it, Nakamba in, who is going to play twice? A stupid and, of course, it is, is available as well. But would it force you into a transfer, do you think? Yeah, that would that would certainly change things. Um, I do not want to play Marvellous, even though he's got two games. It could be easily an appearance point and a yellow <laughs> card in both games. So he could be, could be just on, on a couple of points there. A stupid and against Villa, I've got Watkins. I don't ever expect Brighton to keep a clean sheet. So... Don't really want to play a stupid and it wouldn't be the end of the world to do so because he's got the attacking potential, which he showed again in game week six. But I've got my watch just open in front of me here. If Madison was out, I don't have any cash in the bank. So I would have about 7.8 to spend. So you're probably looking at someone like, you know, West Ham could be hammer time, could follow your dad's path and get a get a West Ham player <laughs> for the Sheffield United game. So it could be Bowen or Ward Prowse. Matoma's an option. I still like Mbumo, even though he wasn't as good in the most recent fixture. Foden is affordable uh, elsewhere. Diaby as well could double up with Watkins. So there's plenty of options out there. Anthony Gordon as well. Um, Harvey Barnes looks like he's going to be out for a significant amount of time, going by tweets on my timeline this morning. Gordon is on four yellows. So those who are thinking about him, just keep that in mind. That might be enough to put me off. Don't want another you know, Nicholas Jackson scenario with a, with a four yellow. So there's options out there. Sterling's still an option with two fixtures coming up, but probably not going to go back to Chelsea just yet. And you still have Eze. So there's loads of options. Um, but yeah, ideally, Madison comes through the scan and he is okay and we can roll the transfer. But there's plenty of exciting replacements if we need to make a move there. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm very much also hoping on good news for James Madison as well. Uh, he's also in my team. I just stuck my team up on the screen. As I mentioned, odd game week in the sense that I got 75 points. I took a minus four. I did that mini wildcard uh, that we actually talked about last week. Um, I, I realized I could do it actually whilst we were recording and I went through with it. I'm not unhappy with how it went. We'll go through the details of it in a second. But yeah, uh, average points I think was 68. So I got 71. So I got above the average, but still fell 200k places from about 263k to 465. 5k it's not an awful place to be uh, i think it's three red hours in a row but if you'd have offered me four six five k after six game weeks like i would have taken it like most managers who are sort of you know uh trying to get a good finish this year because uh, I'm, I'm not too far off when you look at live fpl where i want to be it just feels more annoying because i was at 19k after three game weeks but you know um not too unhappy with how things went so the moves i made in the end was gabrielle to botman which paid off uh, i think it's botman's first ever goal for newcastle but i think we were we had been looking at um sheffield united and just how bad they were for conceding goals from set plays they were also the worst team for conceding goals uh, conceding chances from headers i should say and i think Three of the first four goals were all headers. Byrne got one. Botman got one. Good for Trippier as well. So I'm, I'm happy with how that went. But Botman um, did Foden to Salah, which I think in the end cost me one point. 
<laughs> because Salah only got the 10, but I'm I'm happy looking forward. Uh, and Foden actually only had one shot uh, in the City game. Alvarez, who I brought in for Jackson, that was the completion of the minus four, um, had more shots in that game than anybody else. So it was kind of, I feel like I made sound decisions with the, with those three transfers. Uh, I just didn't quite get the outcome I wanted with, with one of them, and that being Alvarez. Because 10 points from Salah, I'm not unhappy with. Uh, 12 points from Botman, I'm very, very happy with. Um, but yeah, I think on another day when Rodri doesn't lose his head, I think Alvarez stays on the pitch for longer. And the fact that he was, you know, officially the most persistent shooter on the pitch is, of course, going to uh, involve more returns. But yeah, Madison is is, is on my mind um, for what to do. I've also still got Chilwell, actually. So I benched him. Um, benefit of the podcast listeners, of course. Flecken, Estupin, and Botman Cash was my back four. So actually everyone in my back uh, three, in my, my three-man defense, all returned. So I got the clean sheet out of Cash, which was, I was very happy with. And Burmo, Madison, Diaby, Sal. Lasaka and then Alvarez and Haaland on the bench Turner Anderson uh, Chilwell Archer quicker side on Anderson I still have not had any points out of him so far this season whenever he has returned he's always been on my bench <laughs> but I'm making money off him he's my cash cow because people are buying him in their droves but yeah Chilwell is something I've got to deal with my view was let's see if he starts against Villa because if he does and he returns I wasn't predicting much because I thought Villa would get a good result but then again we saw him not start come on get booked I don't want to make any transfers either. So my bus team actually has Chilwell in it because I sorted that bus team before I knew that Chilwell wasn't going to play for Chelsea. So it's Flecken, Stupin and Botman, Chilwell this time, Cash on the bench. And then, yeah, the front seven stays the same. So, yeah, the Madison I'm thing is quite you, crucial. I'm guessing you don't have much cash in the bank, do you? I'm 0.0 now. I had loads because I got rid of Salah and now I've got him back. So it's we're, stri- we're right back to zero in the bank, which is annoying because, yeah, I could I would love to go directly to Trippier, but it's not unfortunately possible um i mean what would you do yeah, with chilwell tri- right now i mean a lot of people got rid of him so in some respects it's last week's news but i know i'm not the only one who held on to him to give him one more chance because these fixtures are really nice that's that's the enticing thing it's a fixture versus sort of form uh, problem isn't it yeah you know what i've got my watch list still open here i've only got a couple of defenders on it and you've you've got the main targets that i'm looking at you know you've got botman you've got cash they're probably my top two defensive targets um, and it's tricky if you don't have any money in the bank, then you're kind of snookered a wee bit. And that's just that's the life with Salah, isn't it? You've got to there's gonna be some things you can't do from time to time. So I still think you're probably you're probably just better off just rolling the transfer and, and seeing what happens because I'm not seeing an instant return from anyone you bring in unless you go crazy and you get yourself a, a Burnley or a Luton player and they <laughs> somehow magically perform really well in this in this game week. But yeah, it's um yeah, I don't think. So what what Newcastle defenders have you got? Just one? Just Botman. He's the only one. Um, so I, good point. I could go for another one, right? Yeah, I suppose Fabian Scher or Dan Burner are options there as well. That's probably... Yeah, I think I'd be very tempted by that, actually. you do When you do look at the fixtures, you see what they've just done. A lot of people are going to be on double Newcastle defence now anyway. So you know to benefit from the clean sheets, we, we probably need two of them. Um, so yeah, I think that's something you should probably think about over the next few days: Burn or Fabian Share. And we always we always associate Fabian Share as you know the best for goal threat, but I think his numbers have certainly fallen off. And Dan Burn is actually surprising a lot of us. He's his numbers are looking pretty decent. I was looking at the the BPS in the Scout members area this week. So Trippier's first, Botman's second, Burn is third. And Fabian Shear is fourth. So if you're looking at bonus point potential as well, Dan Burns actually performing better at the moment. So yeah, there's there's certainly options there. And yeah, I think that's 
in my mind, looking at your squad, Chilwell's probably your weakest link. And if you want to, if you want to fix your weakest link, I think it's it's a no brainer just to get a, a second Newcastle defender. Yeah, I quite like that. Um, it yeah, it'll either be roll or um, yeah, something like that because I, I want to roll because um, I always like to. I guess d- just bringing it back to Chilwell. Do you think he's an absolute hard sell this week? Yeah, I probably do now because I think we've got enough we've got enough evidence to suggest that you're going to sweat over him every week in terms of the team sheet. You've got back-to-back benchings. I tried to be clever with Gabriel in the first few weeks. I think I mentioned this last week. You know, I, I tried to predict what Arteta was going to do. I kept saying it makes sense for Gabriel to come back in. <laughs> But he never done it. You know, it took him a lot longer than I expected for him to do it. And you, you could say the same. I think people last week and this week, you kind of you talk yourself into a narrative that you want to happen because you own the player. But if you just take the emotion out of it, you take the fact that you own the player out of it. He hasn't played the last two games. Even when he has been playing, yes, he's probably been passing the eye test, but he doesn't actually have the you know attacking points really. So yeah, for me, it is a sell. And it's the Chelsea issue as well. They're just not really clicking just yet. They're not scoring many goals. Was it, I think, five points from the first five games when the fixes were really good. So I think it's hard to make a case for keeping Chilwell at the moment um, if he's in your starting 11. Some people might be able to hide him on the bench for you know maybe a Burnley or Luton player this week. But um, if you're relying on him in the starting 11, I would probably just take away the headache and get a you know a sure starter in a, in a, in a Newcastle player. Yeah, I think the key thing on Chelsea, my understanding is if they don't score in game week seven, they will not be able to have a goal of the month competition or they will have to pick one from training was what I saw on social media because, yeah, they won't have scored in the month of September. So and that's nuts because we all we've been targeting the game week three fixture swing for Chelsea since what, June the 15th, I think it was, whenever the fixtures came out. And lo and behold, here we are going into game week seven and they really have not benefited from it at all. And uh, I will actually just give a quick shout out to, to FBL Harry, who the second he saw that fixture swing and saw everybody go, oh, the Chelsea prices look good. He was like, what is wrong with you? Why would you trust Chelsea? He's right. <laughs> this whole yeah. time. Maybe um, yeah. maybe Ben Chelwell will come in and play up front while while Jackson's suspended. That's your, that's your only hope. Yeah, that's my, yeah. Help me, Ben Chilwell. You're my only hope. Um, <laughs> well, speaking of uh, hopes, we usually hope that a double game week is, is going to be exciting and we're talking about, but it is, of course, the subject of order number one uh, for uh, this particular episode. And so, yeah, take us away uh, with with what your advice is for Burnley and Luton playing two games in game week seven. Yeah, order number one this week is don't fall into the double game week trap. I mean... You couldn't you couldn't really cherry pick worse teams here. You could throw maybe Sheffield United in instead of Burnley. Burnley looked okay against Manchester United, but probably because they were playing against Manchester United the way we're playing at the moment. It's it's a case of, in my mind, I would never own a Luton or Burnley player in my starting eleven for one week. So why would I want it for two weeks? Most players, I think, for for those teams are probably going to get, you know, two points multiplied by two to get you four points. Um, the fixtures, I can understand why, you know, Luton are at home to Burnley and they are away to Everton. So that is, the fixtures are okay. Uh, Burnley are away to Luton and away to Newcastle. So Luton's fixtures are better because Burnley do have that Newcastle one in there. Now, the only, basically my, my overall advice would be avoid the double game week teams because if you already own them, it's fine. But to bring one in, and to sell one again, two transfers. Two transfers is very, very valuable, especially this season when we're 
hopping around a lot of good midfielders in particular. So I think you can be you can make a better long-term transfer this week rather than buying a Luton or Burnley player. So the caveats, if you already own like a buyer or a Kabore or a Bell, a lot of people went Morris maybe a couple of weeks ago. Obviously, you use them this week if you have them, unless you've got a very good single game week option. So I've got buyer on my starting 11 because the stupid away to Villa. Don't expect a clean sheet. And buyer, you're just hoping he gets maybe a clean sheet against Luton. Uh, and get you maybe an eight-pointer or a nine-pointer in total. So if the, the caveats then for transfers end, there's probably just a few exceptions to the rule. For example, if you're me and you've got Gusto, and maybe if you don't have three good defenders this week, you could get a Kabore or even a Bayer. Um, and probably more so if you're sitting on two free transfers and you don't have anything else you want to do. I still like rolling the transfer if you've only got one. And then the big one is probably Jackson owners. He's suspended. You've got to sell him. If you don't have Alvarez, I think you go straight to Alvarez. You don't, you don't, you know, look at Morris with two fixtures and get him because Alvarez is a good long-term pick. So I would go Alvarez over Morris if you're selling Jackson. But if you're already on Alvarez, then I think Jackson to Morris is is fine. You know, just for a short-term punt, good fixtures on penalties. You're not expecting much. You, you, you're you hoping for one goal, or that's what I would be hoping for. One goal and maybe you know two or three bonus in, in that game. And he comes out with 10 or 11 points maybe over the two games. And then you take the points and you run. So I don't mind Jackson to Morris, but only if you've already got Alvarez and elsewhere. The sooner this game week's over, the better. So we can stop talking about these two teams. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. I, I want it out of the way so we don't have to keep answering questions on it, that's for sure. I think, yeah, for me, uh, so I agree with everything you've said there. Like, if you've got them, start them. If you don't, don't buy them. Unless you've got Jackson, then that's maybe a short-term sort of, like, uh, thing you can get away with because you needed to sell Jackson anyway. Um, I've been having a look at Morris for a little while. I've had my eye on him. He, I've sort of been looking at him in quite excruciating levels of detail, which, as I said, that's another reason why I'm looking forward to this being out of the way. And what I've seen from him is not as much as I was kind of hoping for. When uh, we looked at their fixtures from, I think it was game week four onwards uh, with Luton, uh, I thought, OK, this is a run where actually Morris, in theory, could actually, you could sign him now. And then you've already got him for the double game week because the fixtures were nice because it was Fulham and Wolves and then, of course, Everton and Burnley all in the same game week. They lost 1-0 at Fulham and that, I felt, was a result that they should have done better there because Fulham going into that game were not in a particularly good shape at either end of the pitch and they lost. Uh, they couldn't even beat a 10-man Wolves side and Wolves haven't exactly looked particularly strong this season anyway. They're, well, they're, they're performing better than people expected to, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're still performing at well-being levels Neto looks good but if you are at home against a team that has struggled at times this season has a number of different sort of negative narratives around that club and they're down to 10 men you've got to win that game you have to win that game if you're going to be trusted in my opinion with a double game now Morris had did get the penalty there but he's yet to score from open play because he's scored two penalties that's it and he's got an assist and as I said those fixtures uh, going into game week four, Fulham, Wolves, Everton and Burnley, after the first three game weeks, those four teams were all in the bottom six in the Premier League for minutes per expected goals conceded. So basically, Luton were being offered the best possible run they could ever get all season, which is those four teams back to back. That's why it was kind of, in inverted commas, prime Morris signing time. Um, but so then what you're hoping for is for Morris to be one of the highest performing strikers in that run. 
In the last two matches, he's had four shots. That's two shots in each game. There's about eight or nine forwards who've had more shots than him across those two games. And you you need that to be higher. You just need that to be higher if he's someone who you're going to break your team to get to. Um, because you would if you hope think about that, that. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt there, no, but just on that, if, you, if you're saying Morris is getting about two shots a game, I think Alvarez got four shots in 56 minutes mm-hmm. in that yeah. game, you know, before before he's taken off. So you're going to get the same thing and you've got a good long-term pick that you don't need to transfer out then. So for me, it's, it's got to be Alvarez over Morris. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, exactly. Because you're going to hold Alvarez for longer. Um, and the other thing that I think people are slightly forgetting here is because it goes counter to the narrative, we've all seen Everton as an easy fixture all season. And then... They just rolled up to Brentford's, you know, front door and beat them 3-1 in their best performance of the season. They are actually fantastic. I mean, Decore was on another level that game. Brentford, to be fair, missing um, Rico Henry at left back, which um, I'm going to have a look look at that in more detail later in the week with some numbers. I think that's going to damage their defensive capabilities. But Everton all of a sudden are not necessarily like an easy fixture anymore if they can play like that um i was having a look earlier on at how they played in that game it was their highest game for xg all season um they would they had averaged an expected goals of 1.5 in their first five games and then against brentford 1.9 and brentford have been one of the stingier defenses this season so that's quite impressive uh in terms of their xg conceded they had conceded everton 1.6 xg per game Game was one to five, and then against uh, Brentford, it was just one point zero three. So that was also a dip as well, which again is impressive because they've gone up against Burma and Visser, who have been quite good. So Everton could be on the verge of you know kind of starting to build on their season. So then I'm now actually thinking that the actual quality of the fixtures has diminished as well, uh, based on the way Everton have played. So. Um, all signs point towards this being a double game week not really worth thinking about unless you either, as you said, already have someone start them and, and Jackson owners, maybe you might get away with it. But yeah. Yeah. Just one more thing to add before we move away from this order is I was just thinking there as well about Chelwell owners. One more exception to the rule. If you if you already have if you have Chelwell and you already have maybe two Newcastle defenders, and you know, if, if you're like you and you've got cash. If you're basically happy with your defence, you could, maybe if you're sitting on two free transfers and you don't know what to do, you could go Chilwell all the way down to Bayer or Kabore just for team structure. But I, I wouldn't do it if you already have a four million defender. So I wouldn't, if you've got Bayer, I wouldn't add Kabore into the mix. You know, if you if you don't have a four million defender, Chilwell down just for team structure. That and Maybe if you've got your eye on Salah in the near future, if you don't own him, that could be one way to free up, you know, about what, probably what, one and a half million or something like that. So again, I wouldn't. I don't like two four million defenders. So only if you've if you've got none of them at the moment. Hmm. Yeah, it's only worth thinking about. Um, it's, yeah, it's 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 just it's just it could be an opportunity. I think I, I, I'm not. You're, you you said earlier you're hoping that maybe Bayer gets something, but the problem the problem with these two defenses they have been pretty poor. So um, I don't really know what to expect between those two teams when they meet each other because their attack have both been statistically on the poor side their defenses have also yeah. been so it's sort of like it's 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 not quite um you know sort of like unstoppable force you know that whole thing because they've been very stoppable forces and they've been very movable objects so it's like <laughs> which one I'm is it going to be i'm sitting here looking at buyer and my team now and i'm just thinking to myself what am i doing i've got a stupid <laughs> why don't why don't i just play him so i actually might just switch that before the weekend because newcastle are going to score against burnley Maybe a clean sheet against Luton, but um, you know, I watched Burnley against Manchester United, and 
they invite a lot of pressure, you know, oh, playing playing out from the back. So yeah. uh, maybe maybe Mr. Morris will get some joy if there's a if there's a high press happening there. So uh, yeah, maybe, you know, maybe with a stupid and maybe I shouldn't try to be too clever here just because I'm seeing two fixtures under buyer. Maybe it's going to be a four four pointer, maybe even just a three pointer if there's a yellow card thrown in. A Stupinen can get an assist at any given moment in any game. Um, ownership's pretty high as well, so there's a lot of potential for pain by benching a Stupinen <laughs> if he does get a, a 10-pointer and Bayer gets a 3-pointer. So, uh, yeah, maybe I'll flip that before the weekend. Yeah, as you said, I mean, the, the official order is don't fall into the trap. And it, it, it can be a trap. <clears throat> you see those two fixtures in it and it makes you make decisions. So, yeah, that could I'm, be... I'm, I'm telling people not to fall into the trap and they're looking at buyer in my team. So uh, maybe I need to t- take my own order here. Yeah, maybe. Well, one uh, one additional piece of advice for a double game week, of course, is don't panic, uh, which uh, is the, the famous uh, expression used by Corporal Jonesy of Dad's Army. So we will talk about uh, uh, the Dad's teams out there. We've actually really pleased with this because we've actually been uh, tagged in a couple of tweets uh, in the last couple of days, which which shows that people are enjoying the discussion around their dad's FPL team because it always makes for some good entertainment. So we'll, before we get to my dad's team, uh, there is a there is as you always a surprise in there. Um, we've got uh, Roberto Hollis who uh, has uh, gone out of his way to uh, to let us know about his dad so far this season. It's actually, this is good news. This is good news. So uh, last season, uh, his dad came nine hundred and thirty two k. Uh, and then Roberto himself finished 18K. So congratulations on last season's finish, uh, Roberto. Um, however, um, his game week, his dad's game week six score has taken uh, him 14 points above him. So it's a massive, massive swing uh, in the sense that um, clearly Roberto is the uh, is the more seasoned FPL professional. But his dad is ahead of him right now. And the way he managed to achieve that was with some patience, which, of course, he has learned from General's orders because patience is the order of the day. Um, pretty much every week when we talk to the general uh, in game week five Roberto's dad got 37 points uh, and in game week six he got 97 points with from what I can see not too many changes outside of just sort of some substitution so fair play there um, Foden, Saka, Matoma, Botman, Stupinan, uh, Diaz, Watkins you know um, lots of players there that have all have all hit it off so congratulations to Roberto's dad for going above uh, Roberto <laughs> Well done uh, for that one. Um, the next one is also quite quite funny. Um, we got to FBL Harry tweeted this, and then I can't I can't remember who it was who tagged us in this. I do apologise. I was going to grab your name, but we got tagged in this. Me and Mark um, because Harry's dad's bench for game week six was just ugh, vomit inducing. Six points for Martinez, the goalkeeper. That is ten points, or well, I think thirteen in the end, because I think this is pre bonus for Saka. Saka was the first sub. Twelve points for Burn, five points for Kabore. I mean, oh, I mean, don't you just hate seeing these kind of benches, Mark? Yeah, I think um, Harry's dad needs sacked for <laughs> for putting Saka on the bench there. You know what? 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 What kind of manager puts Bukayo Saka on the bench? I know maybe he looked at the fixtures, seen Tottenham, maybe thought it might be a cagey game or something. But uh, yeah, you don't you don't bench Mister Saka. It's just yeah. I mean, it's. I, w- I want to say it's the hallmark of a dad team in the sense that I've seen my dad do stuff like this before because they kind of just look at the fixture and assume that that means they won't get anything or they- they're nervous that maybe they won't score as well as usual. But it's one of the first pieces of advice I give to people if they're perhaps new to taking the game more seriously. It's like, no, no, no. If you've got a guy who's in really good form, it doesn't matter what the fixture is. You start him anyway. Yeah, Harry's dad really needs to to learn that, doesn't he? Yeah, he, he certainly. I guarantee he'll probably bend. He'll probably captain him this week because he's got a, 
He's got Bournemouth and he's and he heard him last week, so he'll he'll slap the armband on him this week is my prediction. Actually, do you know what's worse? I've just noticed that he started Jackson and Jao Pedro. So it just it just gets even more dad like. It's it's very, very dad like. Yeah. Um but anyway, the uh what you've all been waiting for is what my dad got up to this week, because I hopefully you're all invested in his team now. Um not a bad game week um for him. He did get a red arrow. It was seventy one points with a hit. Um so it's sixty seven, I think it is. So it is below the average. Uh his transfers this week, uh which I will just uh, pull up now, um were so as I said, he made two, he took a hit. Um I think it was Antonio. Yeah, Antonio out for Ferguson, which I I can't I like. Don't think that's like a bad move. Um, but he took out Onana and Boyne Edison, actually costing himself one point because Onana in the end delivered. But at the same time, I kind of understand him taking out Onana. Um, but the surprise, of course, this week is the fact that his back three continues to just get the job done. So Tim Ream's still there, five points. Uh, ben White is still his Arsenal defender of choice, who didn't get a. Clean sheet this week, but did get an assist. <laughs> so he got four points for Ben White. Of course he did. Now, we, he didn't transfer in his Newcastle defender this week, but his Newcastle defender has been creeping under the radar until this week. Did he have Trippier? No. Did he have Botman? No. He had Dan Byrne, who got 12, who also scored. So, like, he just... It, this season, he just makes these odd decisions, and it still always finds a way. Um, Matoma as well in there. Uh, Harland uh, as, as well getting points and Saka his blanks were Diaz and Bermo Ferguson and Alvarez but yeah it just that sums him up I think and, and you're starting to get a feel for how he plays aren't you Mark like Burn and Ream are just ticking along that yeah that defence is just disgusting really isn't it <laughs> especially maybe not so much now looking back but you know going into the season or going into the first couple of weeks Tim Ream film defender no chance and then Dan Byrne would be you know the fourth pick of the four Newcastle defenders. He might be up to, to number two or number three now, but um, very impressive that he's been getting such consistent returns. He's, he's certainly... He's certainly punching above his weight with that with that defense. <laughs> he certainly is. It just it's almost like Sir Alex Ferguson um, when he had sort of like you know Johnny Evans uh, et al in that Man United defense. He just did not expect uh, them to do as well as he did. So yeah, well done, Dad. I'm proud of you on that one. Um, Two point one million is his current rank. Which so he did take about a five hundred k hit this week. But um, I think a lot of people dropped this week. And to be fair, two point one million for him is is good. Like that that for him, like genuinely, believe me, that's good. Um, and crucially. Uh, he ha- oh okay sorry he has been knocked off top spot his aim this season is just to win his church league and last game week he was top of it he has dropped down to third place but he's only five points off the top so um, I'll be cheering you on uh, for that the one thing we have to castigate him for his team is top six hammers you will of course remember that he does have a lot of West Ham players Bowen and Zuma both in his team he benched both of them and Bowen did get a goal so this is what I mean about dad teams he benched Jared Bowen and put him as the first sub. You don't do that. You don't do that, surely. And especially when you're no. a West Ham fan. I mean, he needs to turn his membership card in. I'm just, I'm just still thinking about the church league. I, I'm just imagining <laughs> now the the start of every service that they go through the you know, the top <laughs> ten in the mini league and who, who's performing well and, and who's got manager of the month and all that. That's that's the kind of church I want to be subscribed to. <laughs> well, I mean, well, actually, the bigger question is how the heck did my dad get to number one spot in it last week? How bad is that league? <laughs> I've been I've been playing FPL for twenty years. It's the first time I've ever heard of a church mini league, so uh, that's a new one for me. <laughs> yeah, as I said, that's 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 the best kind of church. Doesn't matter what they teach or what type of songs they sing. It's all about whether or not they got an FPL team. Um, so yeah, fingers crossed, Dad. Hopefully, you can uh, 
yeah, be the best Christian FBL manager in Reading. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Anyway, let's move back to more serious matters. Uh, let's move on to our second order, which um, we, we, I feel like we talk about the wild card every week, but I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it's important to stay on top of what the current dialogue is. And your latest advice for it um, is, yeah, an interesting one, um, arguably countercultural, which I think is, is good um, to, to throw yeah, it into so- the mix. Order number two is be open to a late wild card. So I've kind of been like most managers this season, not really thinking too much about the wild card, but kind of been hearing a lot about it on, you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts, FPL podcasts. Almost every podcast you listen to, they say, I'm going to wild card, give me nine, or I'm going to wild card, give me 10. And it just kind of become the go-to option for a lot of people without even giving it any thought or doing any research. And obviously there's logic to it. There's probably fixture swings on all that kind of stuff. But I feel like a lot of teams are, you know, a lot of teams may not need a wild card in game nine or game 10. If you're, if you're making transfers, sensible transfers over the next couple of weeks, and if you've got a salad plan or if you're happy to go without them, then you might not need to wild card in game nine or game 10. So I guess the main advice here is don't, just tell yourself you're going to wildcard in nine or 10 because you're hearing it everywhere else or you're reading it everywhere else. Cause I've probably fallen into that trap myself. I've, I've definitely said myself, I'll probably wildcard around game week nine um, because I've heard it in other places also because I like wildcard during an international break. But again, I, I was looking ahead. I think it's game week 20 is the, you know, before game week 20 is the last time we can play the first wildcard. So it's good to know when that actually is. Um, I think it's the 30th of December. So keep that date in mind if you still have your wild card. Around that time, we're going to have, I think it's Manchester City and Brentford will blank. It's a game week 18 because of, of right. the Club World Cup. Yeah. And according to Mr. Ben Crellin, the Man City and Brentford could then have a double game week as soon as around game week 20 um, at some point around that. So just to keep that in mind, don't forget that there's going to be a little bit of navigation to do if we have Manchester City and Brentford players around Christmas and New Year. And if you still have the wild card, it could be useful for that. But also then because you've got 19 game weeks of information to build a new squad rather than, you know, eight or nine. So I'm just trying to, this is more for myself as well, keep an open mind. I still think there's a chance I will wild card during the international break between eight and nine. And a lot of it will depend on how, if Mohamed Salah does continue to deliver very well over the next few weeks, when you look at those fixtures from game week nine onwards for Liverpool, it's going to be very, very hard to resist them. Um, so an open mind on the wild card and be open to keeping it late is is what I wanted to get across here today. Mm. Yeah, I'm I'm really pleased to see you sort of put this into the mix because I think um, we've been looking at this um, over the over the summer um, in terms of when when wild cards could 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 work. And yeah, the the late wildcard was one that I was really intrigued by um, because there's a number of factors. You've obviously mentioned the City one there. The the thing, I need to get confirmation on this. I need to, I've read in a lot of places that in theory, the Man City versus Crystal Palace game in game week 17, potentially also at risk because we don't know what Man City's travel plans are yet. And if they travel at such a time and place, that means that 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 game becomes at risk that one could go as well which could potentially force us into an even um even well just even more extreme scenario where we um dead end our teams into 16 to get rid of city players and then you've got two double game weeks for city perhaps in the new year um so it's worth keeping an eye on that um but also the other thing about a later wild card is that 
I think the one thing that often is not talked about enough in wildcard discussions is what is what is the gap that you are leaving your team between wildcard one and wildcard two? Because obviously the longer that gap is, in theory, the weaker your team should perform on paper. Because if you're, say, wildcarding like game week four and then your plan is to then wildcard the second time round, like in what, game week, sometime between game week 28 and 32, that seems to be the average. That's the Goldilocks zone, isn't it? Because it just depends when the double game weeks and the blank game weeks fall. That's like a really long time. That's, you know, somewhere between 24 and 28 game weeks to leave your team simply reliant on free transfers and hits and i i know that there's a number of people that have wildcarded early and their weakest part of the season is between january and march because they're holding off on that wildcard because they want to use it uh for the chip season alternatively their team ends up in dire straits so much that they end up using the wildcard at the first opportunity they have you know like first of january and then they don't have it available for the chip season um and whereas if you wildcard late in the first window um, you are going to maximise your team's performance in January, February, March at a time when people are either short of a wild card or loath to use it. And then you can still wild card again in that Goldilocks zone again and benefit from the chips. And interestingly enough, that's actually what Ali did last year and won. I think he wild carded sometime after around game week 12 to 14. Off the top of my head, I can't remember what it was, but he but a late wild card was very integral to his massive push up the ranks. Now, of course... You know, he will be the first to tell you that there is some luck that comes with winning. But, um, you know, we've seen we did a statistical uh, analysis into this a couple of years ago when I was a scout and found that a lot of managers who finish really, really high actually wildcarded for the first time late for some of the reasons I just sort of mentioned there about it does maximize your ability to perform well in a start in a phase of the season where people are. Um, panicking or their wild, their wild card team from game week four is just in bits um, and you, and then you can still um, leverage the chip season as well so it, I want to do it I said to myself at the start of the season I want a wild card as late as possible so it's nice to see that already that's sort of coming into play um, and, I, and I want to try and aim for that as well but easier said than done injuries can happen to the best of us so it's like yeah that's kind of the situation for me yeah. for wild cards it might it might sound a bit nuts as well. I've mentioned this a few times before, but I, I've always liked the idea of of once just not using one of the wild cards because you you only use it really because it's there. Um, and I feel like you know we we if you take the approach that I do is to try and fix your weakest link week on week. Most weeks your team looks absolutely fine. You know if you if you're starting eleven in particular is usually fine going into a game week. So you know is there. Is there ever a need for massive change? You know, there's an argument that there isn't, and I'm I'm the, the kind of reason behind that is I'm I'm always fearful of wild cards because you put a lot of thought into your team, you put a lot of thought into your transfers over the course of you know ten to fifteen game weeks, and then you go and you rip you know four, five, six, seven of them out of it, and we've seen it this week. You know, a lot of if I wild carded last, I scored eighty seven points this week. If I wild carded last week, I would have had sixty, maybe sixty five. Uh, because I would have took out, um, you know, players like Watkins probably would have went. Bruno might have went. Probably wouldn't have had Trippier because I would have went Salah, and I wouldn't have been able to afford Trippier. So they can go wrong. They very often go wrong. You know, maybe more so in the short term. They can maybe pick up steam after a couple of weeks. But I'm 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 not going to rule it out either. If if I can if I can manage my squad efficiently over between now and, and game week 19, let's say, and if I get to game week 19 and everything's fine. Maybe I just don't use it, and and or maybe it's literally just change the second goalkeeper, change your second and third sub, 
and maybe literally one or two changes. Um, so I, it's it's something that's it's always been on my mind. Uh, and the way I play the game, because because I'm very patient and because I often have two free transfers, I'm probably in a good... If, if anyone was going to waste a wild card or burn a wild card, it's probably me because because I do play that way. So um, we'll see how it goes. And I'll, I'll reassess things at the international break between eight and nine. And if I don't play it then, I think there's a good chance it could be either last minute around game week 18, game week 19, or four, game week 20, or else or else we 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 tick off an FPL achievement badge. <laughs> I burned my tra- I burned my wild card and uh be one of the first content creators to ever do it. <laughs> yeah, you definitely would uh people would take note of that for sure. But you're absolutely right. Game week eight nine is the key juncture really because the fixture swing at that point in time is so good in the sense that you've got lots of teams who we don't really fancy being invested in at the moment all of a sudden get great um a lot of teams who are heavily invested in right now like man city's fixtures get worse um chelsea's fixtures also get worse although actually to be honest just thinking about it now we're already getting rid of the chelsea players so maybe the fixture swings not quite as severe in game week nine because we've kind of already got rid of them it's as you say it's it's whether or not can we build an effective wild card squad for game week nine without actually needing to play a wild card that's probably what will make the decision for a lot of us as to whether or not we pull the trigger there but that's that's for me that's the next touch point i i i understand everyone wants to talk about wild cards every week but as someone who has to like throw up two videos on fantasy football scout like every day <laughs> if we could just stop talking about wild cards until game week nine that would be nice because i'm sort of like kind of fed up of it because it's just like as you say, they go wrong and, you know, um, there's a lot of players out there who have been underperforming, but then, you know, then do well again if you just give them some patience. And sometimes patience is, is, is a good way to put off a wild card. So fingers crossed. This is the last time we have to talk about it until game week nine. <laughs> fingers crossed. <laughs> um, let's move on to uh, Sunny Soldiers now, um, because once again, we've got like four Spurs midfield players across the middle. Love this. Uh, and a big week specifically for Son, who's back in the goals. So uh, the captaincy hall, was it enough to topple you or did you outscore him this week? Yeah, I just I was I was very worried. I was I was okay. I managed to get the win, but you know when Son got the brace, um, Madison with two assists as well. I thought, right, I'm in trouble here. And then Callum Wilson did his customary salute after his goal as well. <laughs> I was thinking, right, I could be in trouble here. But thankfully, the likes of Watkins, Bruno, the Haaland captaincy, it got me over the line. Uh, unfortunately, I think this might be the last week of four Tottenham midfielders because uh, Johnson looks like he's got an injury. There is a Jackson suspension to deal with. So when this team goes to make a transfer, it's going to be forced to sell a Tottenham player. So I think it's probably going to be Brennan Johnson that goes. Now, in terms of replacements, uh, I think I have a screenshot here somewhere. It is slim pickings for (laughs) Johnson replacements and Jackson replacements. Let me just find this. I've got it here somewhere. The, The player I was eyeing up, was Odson Edward, of course, who yeah. obviously falls into the the rules with with Odson. Um, Son is in there in his name, but he's picked up an injury at a bad time. He would have been a very easy transfer from Nicholas Jackson. The Brennan Johnson replacements are very slim pickings as well. You've got Elliot Anderson at Newcastle. He's started yeah. the last two games, but will he continue to get minutes? Maybe the Barnes injury might help him. Elsewhere, you've got Hudson Adoy. A new addition to the watch list. <laughs> nice. Maybe maybe we go there. Coming good for Forest fairly soon. 
Yeah, so that he's probably got the best chance of coming in. You've got Harry Wilson, but he's kind of been in and out of the team. Yeah. Goodmanson went off injured. Jefferson Lerma is suspended or injured, <laughs> actually. And Mason Mount's the big one. If Mason Mount can come back fit, he was in the team game week one. Of course. So he would probably come back in for, for Brennan Johnson. So the team is in a bit of trouble at the moment. There is two free transfers. So we will we will see what the press conference news is like. Um, and we, yeah, we're short of strikers. I think the only other one is is Daniel Jebison, but he I don't even know if he's in the Premier League anymore. Um, oh, sure be I might need to start going through some Wikipedia pages of Premier League strikers and finding out what their middle names are to see if we can uh, <laughs> to unearth a striker with a with a middle name that has son in it. So if anyone knows anyone, please let me know because we need we need a Nicholas Jackson replacement. Although maybe we just keep Jackson, let him play at a suspension, then he comes back in the week after. But um, they're they're not doing too badly. Obviously, overall rank doesn't really matter for this team because. They can't have the best players in the game, but um, he's given me more of a run for my money than I would have expected. You know, 65 points is a good score. Mm. I thought this team would have scored maybe, you know, 30, 40 points most weeks, but um, he does make me sweat for it most weekends, which is which is good. <laughs> I mean, that's what parenting's all about, man. If they don't make you sweat, you're not doing it right. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, no, it's fun. It's a, it's a nice little nice little team to, to look after. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Uh, I can confirm Daniel Jeberson is still uh, in the Premier League in the sense he's not on loan. He is currently ill, though. So he's got a 25% chance of playing um, Gaming 7. So that obviously is very, very important for for you and only you in FPL because I'm sure no one else is yeah, considering only needs him. Yeah, uh, needs to get some Calpol into him before the weekend <laughs> and get himself get himself back. Yeah, that's very true. Get one of them little pipettes and uh, squeeze it in his mouth. Um, so yeah, things are looking like better than we expected for Sony Soldiers, which is uh, which is nice to see. Largely, uh, of course, thanks to uh, South Korea sensation that is uh, uh, Son Heung-min. Uh, but yeah, a couple of other high performers uh, as well. But let's move on to um, order number three. And it sort of is a decent segue, I guess, from what you mentioned there, in that Sony can't have... Um, the best players in the game. And speaking of the best player in the game, who arguably is invisible at times because we've all got him, um, we've got a third order about one Erling Haaland. Yeah, it's funny because a few people actually tweeted me before the season started about this Sonny's team and they said, look, just put Haaland in because he is Alfie's son, you know, so <laughs> oh, maybe good. maybe I maybe I should have put him in yeah. and made, made an exception to the rule. But um, to be fair, Haaland, is, he keeps me, he gets me three points most weeks in the head-to-head, so I'm, I'm glad that Sonny can't have him. But yeah, order number three this week is don't bet against Haaland. Um, I think a few people did it with Hillman Son a couple of weeks ago and, and didn't get punished too badly. Again, I've seen a few people talking about maybe moving away from, from the Haaland captaincy when Manchester City fixtures maybe get a little bit trickier on paper. But for me, Haaland is just, he's incredible. Manchester City are, you know, best team in the world, you could say. And even when the fixtures do look a little bit trickier on paper in the future, you're probably going to have a period where people are going to maybe captain Salah over Haaland. And now I might be biased here because I might not be able to get to Mohamed Salah by that stage unless I do wildcard. But for me, I went into the season, one of my golden rules, auto-captain Haaland until there's rotation or injury. And I'm pretty sure I'm going to stick to that unless there is um, unless there is an injury. Um, even when, you know, for example, game week eight, Manchester City are away to Arsenal. Game week 10, Manchester United. I mean, that's not a difficult fixture anyway. I don't even know why I'm saying that. Chelsea game week 12. Chelsea are not up to much. Liverpool game week 13. Liverpool defensively are not fantastic. So basically my message here is I don't really see myself moving away from Captain Haaland. And even if I bring in Salah in game week 9, there obviously will be strong temptation to captain him in fixtures like Everton at home and stuff. But it's going to take an awful lot for me not to captain Haaland. 
Um, and I think when you factor ownership and all that in, which I don't usually do, but you know, to, to benefit, you probably do need to captain him. Uh, obviously, if he does blank and Salah does well, you're gonna you're gonna fly. But yeah, I think if I own Salah, I'll be happy enough to own him. I don't feel like I'll need to captain him, even when the fixtures are good, because I've just decided that it, he's my captain for the season. And we've seen it previously in, in you know, on paper fixtures, difficult for Haaland and, and he can rip it up against anyone. So yeah, my advice would be would be just stick with him with the armband um for for a foreseeable future. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's definitely a subject that's on my mind because I I've got Salah now because I looked at those fixtures from game week 9 and thought I want to own him from before then and his price will go up before then because people will take note of the fixtures and they'll buy him. So I needed to kind of get him now. Um and I have I have been out there saying that I, I think he could be in the captaincy conversation, but as you've mentioned, like the fixtures for City, they do get difficult on paper, but they're not necessarily as hard as people think. Um, just looking at the season ticker now, Arsenal away. I mean, Arsenal. I think it's now five clean. No, sorry, it's four clean sheets in their last twenty-two at home. So that on paper is a difficult fixture, but they'll score. City will score. Um, Brighton at home, that also is down as a difficult fixture, but they are one of the most obliging defences in the Premier League. Uh, and you've obviously also mentioned the United game as well. Um, I've also just pulled out a couple of key numbers on Haaland from the last four matches, which I appreciate they've been against some favourable opposition, but Forest defensively have been better this season than they were last season. Um, in the last four matches, Haaland has had 23 shots in the box. Second best for that stat is Rashford, on 13 <laughs> so he's 10 clear of the second best for the volume of shots uh Salah's had nine so he's 14 clear there um big chances 14 second best is Nunez on eight so that's a gap of six and then third best is Jackson Sterling Wilson and Bowen tied on five so he's got nine more than the third best uh shots on target 11 uh second best is Ferguson for that one expected goal involvement 7.04 Second best is Saka on 4.41. Salah is third on 4.18. There is penalties obviously factored into that. Um, but the gap is massive like between him and second place for just likeliness of scoring goals. It's just absolutely nuts. He's obviously not as creative as Salah. Salah will get more assists, but um, I hadn't quite realised how big the gap was until I had a look at those numbers now. Um in order to, when when we talk about betting against someone for captaincy, I mean, because when we 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 we've had Son in the conversation the last couple of weeks, and Sal, I think it was game week two. I, I always try and ask myself, it's not just it's not just a case of I think this person can score this week. You have to actually turn around and say I think Harland isn't going to. That's the key. That is the key, and I think people forget that sometimes because they get a little bit excited about an alternative option. Um, and I'm guilty of that too so that's not me sniping other people um, it's it's as much about Haaland until someone goes anywhere near matching those numbers or if he goes anywhere near showing a dip it's so hard to go against him so yeah the golf is just game week, game week 8 will be interesting because you're going to have Tottenham away to Luton when Haaland plays Arsenal away and it'll be interesting to see the folk who went for Son captain a couple of weeks ago, will they be brave enough to try it again? Because obviously they'll be fearful of what could have happened in that West Ham game for Haaland when he missed all the big chances. So part of my reasoning for banking a transfer this week, I don't have any cash in the bank like yourself. I've, I've splashed it all. But if I bank a transfer, it's quite easy then to do Bruno or Rashford to Hyungman Son for the Luton fixture in game week eight. And then hopefully he's just a, a long-term hold as well. And again... Even if I own Son for Luton, 
I don't see myself giving him the arm, but I think I'll still captain Haaland against Arsenal. And I'm just hopeful that Son also does the business against Luton as well. So I think what we've seen so far, you know, Son's delivering in some of the, the trickier fixtures, which maybe suit him better. Um, whereas the, some teams that just sit back and, and, and have a low block, it's, it can be quite frustrating for teams to break down and maybe not as suited to a human son when he's, um, you know, not used to playing that role for Tottenham. So again, I'm just I'm just making up narratives here because I don't own him. But um, <laughs> I will probably own him for Luton. I'll be hopeful that he does well. But I think Haaland will still get the armband that week. Mm. Well, you may confess of it being sort of a made-up narrative, but it's actually quite close to, to the truth. I did a video on Monday where I kind of went, did a bit of a deep dive into Son's appearances as a centre-forward so far, having a specific look at the opposition they were facing, that kind of thing. So if you want um, more information on that, because that is going to be something that people are going to be interested in this week, go to the YouTube channel uh, and have a look for the Transfer Tip Son video, or alternatively, if you're catching us on a podcast platform, uh, scroll back a couple of episodes and you should see that uh, from, from Monday, because it is... It is is important son is a player who is arguably unpredictable compared to everybody else because easier fixtures on paper don't necessarily mean more attacking returns for him because it doesn't really suit his playing style and as i said there's a lot of uh, some, some 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 shot maps and some um some some cool tables in there that sort of illustrate that in a way that hopefully helps people uh, make some decisions now uh, that also uh, involves um stuff in the members area but of course we've talked about some numbers uh, from that today so uh, yeah uh, before we before we shoot off just another reminder to sort out your membership for game week 7 double game weeks this one might not be exciting but you might just need that membership to put you off <laughs> the Luton and Burnley players this week and of course if you've enjoyed this video hit the like button subscribe to the YouTube channel and uh, hit that bell notification so that you don't miss a thing we've got all the usual content this week uh, all up on the channel so make sure you uh, um, check in on all of our regular contributors to see what they're getting up to ahead of the uh, the double game week um, that's uh, everything I need to mention Mark unless there's anything uh, you'd like to uh, um, issue to the soldiers before we sign off no, just uh, just a best of luck for game week seven. The, the troops will also probably have to to go into battle in game week eight alone because I'm I'm heading on holidays on Friday, so I don't think I'll be around for a video next week. So um, I hope I hope the troops can can manage through game week game week eight, and then we'll be back. I'm sure during the international break with a, with a couple of videos. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah, you're going to have to take everything you've learned in these videos uh, in the first uh, few game weeks and, yeah, see if you can uh, do your general proud um, whilst he's off fighting other wars. Uh, well, it, hopefully it's not going to be a war. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, yeah. Um, so, yeah, do keep an eye out for, for the schedule as we go into the next couple of weeks. But with that, I shall leave you fine folks to enjoy the rest of your FPL tinkering and we shall see you uh, next time. Bye. Bye-bye.